Good morning, everybody, and welcome to One Family Church. We are so glad that you are joining us today. Uh, I want to thank we have just a handful of people right here at the Shaw campus right now. Thank you guys for coming. Uh, it's, it's, it's awkward just to preach to a camera, I gotta tell you. So having some people in the house is very nice. I wanna thank all of you for joining us online. I wanna thank everybody who came to our live service Celebration Sunday last week. It was fantastic. Uh, everybody that worked to, to put that on and make that happen, thank you so much. And I wanna say thank you to our brothers at Stepping Into the Light Ministries. We love you guys. We thank you guys for being a part of our family and we are grateful for you. We are in part three of our Romans series. Our series is called Free a Letter to the Romans and we are learning what God has to say to us about setting us free. When you read the, the letter of Romans, it is a letter about freedom. It is a letter about liberty. It is not about constraint. It is not about tying you down. It's not about conforming you uh, to a set of rules. It's about liberating you to be who God called you, made you to be. So I'm gonna start today by reading a relatively long passage out of Romans chapter eight, verses one through nine, and then we're just gonna dive right into this. It says, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that there is literally zero condemnation to those of us who are in Christ Jesus? No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit has made me free. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. Let me just pause for a minute. This is not my notes, but I just want to say this. What the law could not do because of the weakness of the flesh, God did by sending his son. What that means is, I don't know if any of you have ever, ever had trouble obeying the law. Maybe somebody sped on the way down here. Somebody got a parking ticket. Somebody jaywalked, right? What the law cannot make you do because your flesh is not constrained by the law, the weakness of your flesh uh, uh, does things that the law says you should not do. Because the law could not heal us, could not bring us freedom, God sent his son who obeyed the law perfectly and then imputed that righteousness to us in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm getting excited before I'm even a third of the way here. Okay, what the law could not do, God did by sending his son. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us by him. The righteousness was fulfilled by him, given to us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to be fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, is life and peace. Because the fleshly mind is enmity with God. That means hostility, that means conflict, that means your flesh is fighting with God. Yourself is in a combat mode with the spirit. Your flesh is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. 
Your flesh, your, your nature doesn't have the power to actually live righteously according to what God has called us to do and the way he's called us to live. We don't have the power, nor can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Doesn't mean they don't want to, just means they cannot do it. They cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, the scripture says. You are in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. I want to focus for a few moments on the fifth verse, mainly focusing on the fifth verse, which says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds, set their minds on the things of the spirit. Today, I want to speak for just a few moments on the subject, what's your mindset? What is your mindset? Okay, let's pray, and we're going to dive in. Father, thank you for every single person joining us today online. Thank you for every single person, Lord, who might be tuning in to us for the very first time. Uh, thank you for those that are here in this space. God, I pray that you would... Take this moment, Lord, and cultivate our heart. I pray, Lord God, that you would make our heart soft, uh, that your word might drop into our heart, that your word might find fertile soil in our heart and in our mind. And even if we didn't plan to be transformed today by the power of your word, that our heart would be receptive to what you have for us. I pray, Lord, that I would be like clay in your hands. I pray, Lord God, that your word would speak through me I pray that I would get out of the way of your word, God, of your truth, and that your word would be proclaimed and would be transformative. It is sharp than, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it's, that, it's, that it's dividing even the sunder between the soul and the spirit, that it would actually reach into our hearts today and transform us, God, by the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. My father was very fond of telling this story about uh, two shoe company executives who worked for different shoe companies in Manhattan. Uh, both of these sales executives were sent by their uh, respective companies down to um, a very remote region uh, in the rainforests of Central America. After visiting the region and determining, trying to determine whether there might be a market there, one of the salesmen called back to his home office, to the high rise in Manhattan, and he was angry, and he was, he was frustrated, and he called back, and he, and he literally barks into the phone, what's the point of sending me here? He says, there's no, there's no market here. The people in this region don't even wear shoes, and he furiously got on the phone, or on the, on the plane, and, and flew home. The other executive was almost giddy with excitement, called back to his home office, and he said, you know what? The market here is limitless because nobody here even has a pair of shoes. Send me a thousand pair of shoes, right? The reason my father liked to tell this story to me is that he was trying to impress upon me the influence and the power of the invisible force of your mindset because your mindset is the filter it is the lens through which you experience the world. Your mindset is the set of attitudes, beliefs, 
assumptions that you hold in your heart and in your mind throughout your lifetime. It arises from your worldview. It arises from your philosophy of life. And everything you see is filtered through the colored lenses of your worldview. That means what you experience derives from what you see, and what you see is filtered by your worldview. I was eavesdropping on my son, Jameson, the other day. He's on a Zoom call, and I heard his teacher ask the question to him on the Zoom call. She said, Jameson, how does it feel when you experience failure? How does it feel when you experience failure? So I'm very curious about this because I'm very curious about the mindset of my children. So I paused outside of his room and I just listened in for a minute. And this is what he said, and it, it, it blew my mind. He said, well, I believe that failure can be a good thing. Failure can be a good thing. When I heard that, I, I, I listened a little more closely. He says, because when you fail at something, that means that you've just learned one more way to not do it which actually, he said, gets you one step closer to figuring out how to do it right. What I love about this is that this is the kind of mindset that I want my son to have. What this tells me about his mindset is that he sees failure as an event, not an identity. He sees failure uh, as, as something that happens, but it doesn't, it doesn't identify you, it doesn't, it doesn't form you, it doesn't make you who you are. It tells me that he values perseverance over perfection. It tells me that he values effort over outcome. And that's a mindset that is gonna serve him well. So I wanna know about his mindset. Everything that you and I do, everything that we think, everything that we say, every experience we go through in our life, good or bad, negative or positive, something that we actively participate in or something that happens to us is going to be influenced by our mindset. When you interact with your spouse, whether you're encouraging or discouraging, whether you are seeking their good, whether you are striving to bring joy and comfort and, and love to them, or whether you are looking at them through the lens of cynicism and contempt, has to do with your mindset. It's influenced by your mindset. When your professor, uh, when he assigns a test that's gonna be worth half your grade, your level of anxiety, your approach to studying, your expectation for what's about to happen is going to be influenced by your mindset. Your mindset impacts your opportunities, the disappointments that you experience. It, it, it impacts the way you show up to a job interview. It impacts the way you uh, present yourself on a dating app. It, it, it impacts the way you handle or mishandle your money. It impacts whether you apply for a scholarship or not, whether you ask her or him out on a date or not, whether you encourage or discourage your kids, whether you save, spend, or give, whether you exercise, whether you volunteer. Everything that you do in life is determined by and influenced and impacted by your mindset. So I want to go back to verse 5. I want to go back to verse 5. And let me give you that scripture again. It says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. This is a mindset. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. What is your 
mindset. I want to I want to try to make this real plain because some of Paul's language doesn't uh, doesn't always convey doesn't always convey the same thing in in contemporary English that it might have conveyed in ancient Greek. If you just hear the word flesh, for example, a lot of people think that he's talking just about the body, that that somehow. Uh, God distinguishes between our spirit and our body and he loves our spirit and he despises our body and that is not a biblical idea. Uh, God made your body, he loves your body. That, that, that's not a, there's a platonic idea that the body is bad and the spirit is good. That is not uh, what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I don't want you to think that he's talking about your, your body, your body is bad. What he's saying is there's a nature inside of you. There's a selfish and sinful nature which the Apostle Paul uses the word flesh to describe that and I want to give you a visual of what he's saying. He's saying, when you have a mindset of the flesh, when you have your mindset on things of the flesh, what he's talking about is a mindset that is self-focused and self-fueled. When everything that you do, all of your energy, time, money, skill, is spent, directed at what pleases you, rather than on what pleases God, then that is having your mindset on the things of the flesh. Self-focused means that I'm putting all my energy, all my time, all my thoughts into me. Self-fueled means I'm gonna only be able to use the power, the ability, the capacity, the dunamis, the, 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 the scripture uses the word dunamis, that's where we get the word dynamite. I'm only gonna be able to use my own dynamite, my own power, what I have in me. If my, if my mindset is on the things of the flesh, then I'm also being constricted. You see these arrows pointing in. Because since you and I are limited, and since you and I are in a state of decay, I hate to say it that way, but it turns out that we have a limited lifespan, right? And so we are not infinite. We have, we have a limited amount of capacity. We have a limited amount of power. We have a limited amount of life on this earth. And when we put our hope in ourselves, our life gets restricted, right? So then he's contrasting this with this other image, which is having a mindset that is set, putting, setting your mind on things of the spirit. When you have your mind set on the things of the spirit, that means your time, your energy, your interests, your skills, your resources, everything about you is not looking at how do I please myself, but it's looking at how do I please God. So it's, it's, it's God-focused, not self-focused, and it's God-fueled, not self-fueled. Now what's beautiful about that is that God is infinite. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. God can, can, is unlimited. So when, when you put your hope in the things of God, that means you are tapping into an unlimited, all-powerful, omnipotent presence, and you then, your life begins to expand because you're, you're, you're putting your hope in that which is eternal, not in that which is finite, not in that which is momentary. So the, so the Apostle Paul is saying, like, I really, really want you to put your hope in the things of God. Put your mind in the things of God. And here's why this is so important. This is why this is important. Verses seven and eight. Because, this is why it's important, because the fleshly mind is enmity with God, it's hostility with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So this is not just a matter of what do I want. This is a matter of what can I do. How much power do I have? 
It's not subject to the law of God, nor can it be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If your mindset is focused on the things of the flesh, you cannot please God. God has a mission for you. God has a plan for you. It would please him if you would pursue the mission that he has for you, but you cannot do that if you are focused on you. In other words, if you're taking notes, write this down. Your mindset impacts your mission. Your mindset, where you're putting your hope and your trust and your energy and your skill and your resource impacts the way you accomplish the mission that God has given to you. And if you look through the scripture, this is what I love about God. God is not condemning people for having the wrong mindset, but he is wrestling with people throughout the scripture to get them to have a transformed mindset. If you look at Exodus chapter three, this is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And God says to Moses in Exodus chapter three, he says, Moses, I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of the taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the land of Egyptians. I'm gonna bring them up to the land that is good and large, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Come now, therefore, Moses, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of Egypt into Israel. I'm, I'm, I want you to go down to Egypt, Moses, and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Like, this is your mission, God's saying to Moses. And Moses says, who am I? Who am I? Read, read Exodus 3. Who am I that I should go down to Pharaoh? Notice, notice who he's focusing on. Who am, who am I, right? This is flesh-minded. This is, I'm thinking about myself. Who am I that I can go down? And so God in the next verse says, it doesn't matter who you are, Moses. Tell them that I am sent you because I will be with you. In other words, I don't care who you are. I mean, not that I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter who you are for this purpose. It matters who I am because I have a mission for you and if you will be God-fueled, God-empowered, you will accomplish the mission. That would be a pretty compelling argument from God, but Moses doesn't buy it. Moses says, but what if they don't believe me? But what if, they, what if they don't believe me? So God says, okay, fine. What do you have in your hand, Moses? He says, I have a rod. Throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground. It turns into a serpent. Pick it up by the tail. He picks it up by the tail. He says, that'll be a sign. I'm gonna give you a sign. You can throw that down and, and pick it up and then they'll know that. And if that doesn't work, he said, put your hand in your cloak, Moses. So he puts his hand in his coat. Pull it out, pulls it out. It's white with leprosy. Moses goes, ah, gotta put it back in. Put it back in, pulls it out. It's clean, clean as a, clean as a baby clean as a baby's face, right? It's just, I was gonna say clean as a baby's bottom. That would not be a good allegory or metaphor. Clean as a baby's face, just clean as a baby's skin. Okay, here we go, moving on. Clean, right? That'll help you, Moses. And then he says, if they don't believe that, take some water, throw it on the ground, I'm gonna turn it into blood, right? I'm gonna give you some signs so that they will believe you, right? So number one, I'm with you. Number one, I'm empowering you with all these skills and these talents and these abilities so that you can accomplish the mission that I have for you. You know what Moses says? Moses says, well, I don't, I'm not very good at talking. I'm not, like, I'm not eloquent enough to, 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 do, to do the job. I'm slow of speech. Now, God's starting to get a little bit angry because the mindset is having trouble being shifted here. The mindset's having, and you know what God says? God says, who made your mouth, Moses? I made your mouth. I made your mouth. I'll put the words in your mouth that you need to have in your mouth to be able to speak the truth 
that I have for you, Moses. Look, I'm with you. I'm giving you all these skills and these talents. I'm going to put the words in your mouth. The Holy Spirit is going to speak through you. Just go do it. You know what Moses says? Is there anybody else that could go besides me? Is there anybody? God is saying, look, man, I need, to, I need to transform your mindset so you can accomplish your mission. Some of you today, right now, you are arguing with God right now. Right now, you are saying, yeah, but, 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 but if, if, if you only knew, if you only knew what, I, what I've been through, then you wouldn't be asking me to accomplish this mission. God, if you only, if you only knew um, if you only knew my bank account, you would just know that I just, I don't have what it takes to do this. If you only knew what I, what I was thinking this morning, if you only knew, God, what, what, I, what I did last night, if you only knew some of the thoughts that are in my mind, if you only knew some of the words that I've spoken when I got angry, if you only knew some of the things that I've, God saying, I, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about me. I don't want to change your mindset so you can accomplish your mission. I want to transform you. I want to transform what's going on in your heart and in your mind because I have a purpose and a plan for you. I need you to put your mind on things of the spirit. Take your mind off the things of the flesh because I've got a mission, but your mindset is going to impact the success of your mission. Your mindset tells God what you're focused on, and God wants you to focus on him because this is the second part. Your focus dictates your future. Give me that next slide. Your focus, what you're looking at, what you're focused on is going to dictate your future. I'm in a men's life group. Uh, we are a, a bicycling life group. We get together with, our men, with, with a group of men, 7 o'clock every Saturday morning. We get on our bikes. We take off. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a new member join us. His name's Liam, a brand new member to the church. He just joined the church th th this last week. Uh, that week, um, he's a, a PhD student at WashU. He's actually on the WashU cycling team. All right, so this guy's no joke. So he shows up at, this, at, at the cycling uh, men's group, and we're glad to see you, Liam, and we're all hanging out, and we say some prayer, and we do our scripture, and then we hit the road. Now, it's kind of still dark out. It's like 7 in the morning, so it's a little dark. We're riding out Clayton Road, and, and we're just we're cruising, okay? We're on road bikes, so we're flying up, up Clayton Road um, going, going westbound. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't in like the lane of traffic. I didn't want, you know, I wanted to give the cars a wide berth as we're riding along here. So I started focusing on the line between the pavement and the grass. The pavement and the grass. Because I wanted to get as far over as I could so that I would be safe. Now Liam is, is right behind me. Now Liam's been a member of the church for about three days, okay? So he's right behind me. And then Tim Schomburg from our worship team is behind him. And some other guys were up ahead, and some other guys were way back. So we're riding along, and we're in single file, and I'm focused on that line between the asphalt and the grass. Now, at the edge of the grass, it turns into a slope, and the slope goes down a hill and into a neighborhood. And I'm focusing on this line. So, so when you focus on something, guess where you go? You, 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 go, you go where your focus is, right? Your future is directed by your focus. So I look, I'm looking at the line thinking, I need to be as close to this line as possible. Well, you know what? Eventually, my bike just went right over to that line. And as soon as my bike hit that line, my tires slid off the side of the asphalt. And I've got two choices in this split-second moment. Try to jerk my bike back onto the asphalt or just go flying down the hill into the neighborhood. 
So I thought, you know, I'm gonna be able to pull it back up. I try to pull it back up onto the asphalt and now I am hurtling towards the pavement at a very high rate of speed. And we're in road bikes, okay? So if you've ever been in a road bike, your feet are clipped in to the, to the pedals. So there's no putting your foot out and you're gonna be okay. I'm hurtling towards the pavement at a sideways tilt at a very high rate of speed. Bam, my body hits the asphalt nice and hard and I'm going nice and fast and I'm just scraping along the asphalt like this. And so it's pretty uncomfortable but I, and even in the moment I'm like, nah, I think I'm gonna be okay. Then I experience a new sensation. The sensation of a bicycle tire riding up my back. Liam was right behind me and now he is riding he is ramping up off my back and I'm on the ground still sliding and I'm feeling him climb over and I'm feeling him ramp off my shoulder and I look up and sure enough there's Liam and he's kind of coming off the bike this way. Now it's okay, Liam's only about 140 pounds so I thought okay I'm alright, I, I could feel there was a, some, some issues on my back but I felt like we were okay. Tim Schomburg's behind Liam. Now some of you know Tim Schomburg, Tim Schomburg's got some muscle on him. Tim Schomburg, he comes, he clocks in about 230 pounds. He's got, he's a couple bills and some change. He's got, I'm thinking, oh man, if Tim comes over the top, he's got, but Tim was, by, by God's grace, was able to veer around us. We pull over, we finally get unclipped, we're trying to figure out if we're okay, there was no permanent injury, no major problem. We start laughing, we, we kind of had like a little adrenaline dump, we're cracking up, and um, but, but, but it turned out, it turned out we, okay. we were okay. But the thing that I learned is your focus impacts your future. What you're looking at is where you're going to go. So what I decided to do was not look at the edge anymore. I decided to look about two, two feet to the, to the inside of the asphalt because I want to go that direction. What God is saying to some of us today is that our focus, our focus is going to dictate our future. Do we have our mind? Set on the things of God. Because if we do, that's where we're going. And if we don't have our minds set on the things of God, we will have our minds set on the things of self. And we have our minds set on the things of self. The outcome is not what we want. Romans 8, 6 says this. For to be fleshly minded is death. This is where, this is where we go. This is where we go when our mind is set on the flesh. To be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me explain why this is. If your mind is set on you, if your hope is anchored in you, you have anchored your hope to a very fragile, something very, very fragile, a very fragile thing to anchor your hope. Because you are a fragile entity. You, as a body, will not be around forever. The truth is, and you know, this is not a big amen point, but your life is shorter than it was when I started this sermon. My life is shorter. If I'm anchored in me, um, I got a clock running. And that's not a good clock. If I'm anchored in me, there's, a, there's, there's limited power and there's limited time. If I'm focused on the Lord, the scripture says, there will be life and peace. This is what God wants for you. He wants you to experience life. He wants you to experience peace. He wants you to experience freedom. He whom the Son has set free, 
the scripture says, is free indeed. I have come that they might have life, and that more abundantly saith the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. While we were yet sinners, God showed his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. I will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on the Lord, whose mind, whose soul, whose heart is invested in the Lord, who puts their trust in the Lord. God wants you to have life and peace, and that's what you want to. That's what all of us want. We want life, we want peace, we want freedom. And the question that we ask ourselves in moments like this is, how do I get there? Because if it's really just about my will, willing me back to having my hope and my heart and my mindset in God, I know I'm gonna fail at that because it's just, another, it's just another layer of law. It's just another layer of I'm gonna try to do it, I'm gonna try to keep my mindset on the Lord, but I also know that sometimes I get discouraged and my mindset is not on the Lord. And sometimes I get distracted and my mindset is not on the Lord. And sometimes I get interrupted and my mindset is not on the Lord. So yes, I know that life and peace is in the Lord. Death is in, you know, if I focus on my flesh, I buy all that. I know Jesus came to save me. And, but how do I stay in the Lord? How do I stay focused in the Lord? How do I keep my mindset in the Lord? I want to end with the story this morning. It was about 4.30 in the morning, Sea of Galilee. Disciples are in a boat, exhausted. They're beat. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had just been executed. Herod had just captured him, cut his head off. Disciples are thinking, well, if that happened to John the Baptist, maybe is Jesus next? And if Jesus is next, that means, are we next? So there's anxiety and there's worry. There's fear. And earlier that day, Jesus had done something crazy, miraculous. He had, there were thousands of people that had gathered from all these villages up in Capernaum and Galilee and that whole region north of Galilee. All these people had come and they were hungry and Jesus told the disciples, go feed them. And they said, we don't have any food. And they got some fish and some loaves and Jesus did this multiplication thing that he does where he takes the food and he distributes it and there's thousands of people are eating and the disciples are waiting tables and they're just being blown away by the, by the reality that they're with, this, they're with this guy who can do this stuff. So they've been up and they've been down. They've been, they've been, they've been leveled to the ground. They've, been, they've, been, they've, they've had a day, man. They've been in a day. Herod's dead, but then Jesus does his miracle. Then Jesus says, I'm gonna go get in the spirit. I'm gonna go pray. Y'all go get in the boat and go to the other side. So they, get in, they got in the boat they're in the boat, but they can't rest because there are these very high winds that are coming down off the eastern shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, pouring down and it's whipping up the, the sea and it's getting very tossed and turned and, and it's, just, it's a scary place. It's 140 feet deep. It's not a safe place to be in the middle of a storm. So they're not able to sleep. They're tired. They're restless. They're anxious. They, don't, they just got too much going on. And suddenly, out of nowhere, they see across the water, across the shimmering of the lake, they see what looks like an apparition, what looks like a ghost coming towards them, somebody dressed in white and walking across the water, and they, they start to freak out. That's the Greek, freak out, if you take the Greek. They're freaking out. 
They're screaming, they're hollering, they're yelling, everybody, what's going on, what's going on, right? Aramaic, that was Aramaic for what in the world? And they're, they're yelling at one another. Jesus sees them, it's Jesus. He's walking across the water. He sees them in the boat and he goes, brothers, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Do not be afraid. It's me. It's me, guys. It's me. And then Peter does something that you just cannot. It's just not fathomable. It's not, it's not right. It's just not the right thing to do. It doesn't make sense. Because Peter is the most practical guy in this whole boat. He's had a fishing business his whole life. He knows the Sea of Galilee in and out. He knows how dangerous it is. He knows how deep it is. He is a guy that's not about to do something stupid in the sea. But he does something that is of the spirit, not of the flesh. He says to Jesus in that moment, he says, Lord, if it's you, I want you to command me to come to you across the water. Now that's not, that's not smart. <laughs> that's something of the spirit. That's not something of the flesh. Some of you right now, you're facing some situations in life and you're, you're being called into some stuff that seems scary. The financial situation that you're in is, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, God. The health situation that your family member, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, God. The relationship is just waves and wind. It's just storm. How am I gonna do this, God? Schoolwork, whatever it is. You're, you're in college and you're just getting hammered with stuff and you're trying to do it on Zoom and you're freaking out. How am I gonna, and God is saying, Come out onto the water. Jesus said one word to Peter in that moment. He said, come. Come. And Peter just, Peter does something that just doesn't make sense. He literally takes his foot and he steps out, onto the, out of the boat. And he feels pressure. His foot doesn't sink. He's looking at Jesus and he takes his other foot and he comes out. And now he's on the water. And I gotta think, man, man, in this moment, this is incredible. Like, I am walking on the water. And he's looking at Jesus and he's walking towards Jesus on the water. And this has gotta be the most uh, incredible day. In his, I mean, this has gotta be like, his mind is being blown right now. All of his faith, all of his trust, all of his hope is in Jesus. He is purely spiritually minded in this, in this moment. There is nothing about him that is in the flesh in this moment. He is looking at Jesus and he's walking towards Jesus. And then we know what happens. The scripture says that he began to see the wind and the waves. The, 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 the strength of the wind caught his attention. He got distracted. He lost focus. For just a minute, he started to take his eyes off of Jesus and he put his eyes on his circumstances and he put his eyes on his situation and he put his eyes on the thing that would, that would potentially take him under and drown him and he started focusing on that. And when he did, he began to sink into the 140 foot depths of the Sea of Galilee. And so in that moment, he did the one thing the only thing, the one and only thing that he could do that he knew to do, the scripture says he cried out to the Lord. And he said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I need your help. I cannot do it. I, 
I had my mind stayed on Jesus. But then I got distracted and I lost focus. And when I lost focus, I started to go down. The next line is the best line in the whole story. It says, and immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and he caught him. Grabbed him. Caught him. Now, here's why I love. What I love about this story is that Peter failed. The reason that that I love that Peter failed in this story. He failed when he took his mind off Jesus and he got distracted and you know, what I love about that is because the story is not just about Peter's faith, it's also about God's faithfulness. If Peter had not taken his eye, if Peter had gone, I'm coming out of the boat, I see you Jesus, I got my mind, stayed on Jesus all day, all night, and he walked straight up to Jesus and he, you know, they're there in the water standing there and then they just walked back to the boat and got in, then I might be tempted to believe that in order to actually fulfill what God's calling me to do in this scripture, then I've got to do it perfectly all the time. I have to, if I lose focus, then I'm going to sink in the water. If I get distracted, I'm dead. If I get, if I get discouraged, then I can't live this thing out. And so I've got no chance of doing what God's calling me to do. If Peter had made it, without Jesus' help, then I might be tempted to believe that my job is to make it without Jesus' help. And I'm gonna grind this out, I'm gonna stay focused, and when I fail, there is condemnation for me. Remember the very first line of this sermon? For there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when we fail, Jesus reaches out and he catches you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you the last, last part of this um, scripture in Romans. This is Romans 8, 36 through 38. This is how the Apostle Paul ends this part of the, of the letter. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? Shall nakedness or peril or sword or financial disruption or a problem in the relationship with a relationship stormy or a pandemic or problems with your kids or problems with your parents or problems with your roommate or, or just your life's a mess right now. What shall separate you from the love of Christ? Yet in all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, those, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing. There's nothing in the world shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Last thing, last point. Jesus is saying, Apostle Paul is saying, the Lord is saying in his word, even when you lose your focus, God will never lose his grip. The whole time Paul's saying, I want you to do this. I want you to go this direction. And when you fail, Jesus is right there. He is right there to catch you, pull you into the boat, calm the storm. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So here's what I want you to do today. Here's how we're gonna close this out. If you are watching today and you are in the flesh, not in the spirit, you have not put your trust in the righteousness of God, but you are working, to get, you are working to, to get God's favor and God's love through your own righteousness, and you are failing miserably, which I know you are. I want to ask you to 
make a commitment to follow Jesus today. Say, Lord, I just want to follow you. I'm going to commit my, I'm going to surrender my life to you. I'm committing my heart to you. I, I give up. I tap out. I can't do it. I'm, I'm going with you. I'm just going to go with you, Lord. I'm just, if that's you, I want you to do that today. Make that commitment. Say that prayer. Let us know. Put it on a connection card. It's in the description. Fill it out. Member of our team will call you. We'll be praying with you. We'll, walk, we'll help you walk this thing out. Okay? If you haven't made that commitment, do it today. Get out of the flesh. That leads to death. Come to life and peace. Number two, if you're not a member of a church, if you're not a, if you're not a part of a body of believers who are going to help walk you and, 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 and strengthen you and support you and encourage you, if you're not part of the family, I'm going to invite you to come and be a part of One Family Church today. I'm going to host a membership class in just a few minutes, 1045. 1045 today. I'm going to host it on Zoom. There's a link right below. Just join the call. We're going to talk. We're going to hang out. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the church. We're going to talk about what it means to follow Jesus within the context of a group of people who are all committed to following Jesus as well. You can do that today at 1045 on Zoom. There's a link. It should be in the description. should be in the chat. Okay? Click on that. Number three, if this is your home church, if you are a part of this church family, I want to invite you to give. I want to invite you to put your heart in the things of God. Jesus said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. That's one of the ways that we demonstrate where our heart is, where we want to put our heart, we put things that are important to us. We are God-focused, not self-focused. So I want to invite you to do that today. If you want to partner with us, if you're, if you're just watching, please don't feel any obligation to give, but if this is your church home or if you want to partner with us, you can give. There's a link on the description and in the chat. And the final thing I want to do is I just want to pray. I want to pray for all of you. All of you who are following the Lord. You put your trust in him, but you're like Peter. You're out there on the water, and maybe right now you're sinking a little bit. I want to pray for you because I really want you to know that Jesus will catch you. If you let him, you need to cry out to him, Lord, save me. God's got you in the palm of his hands. He's not going to let you go. Nothing can separate you from his love. This is what I want to preach to the, to the Christians. Those of you who are being bombarded with shame, guilt, condemnation, fear, anxiety, all that junk, that's of the flesh. God's saying, I am with you. I've got a mission for you. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for you. Put your hope in me. Put your trust in me. Let's, let's, let's pray together. Father, we come before you with gratitude in our hearts and thank, thank you for the work you're doing right now in my life and the lives of the people here in this building and the lives of every single person that are watching this broadcast. I thank you for what you're doing. You are changing our mindset. You're transforming us from darkness to light, from death to life and peace. You're bringing us hope and joy love, long-suffering. You're transforming our mindset. God, I pray that every single one of us, Lord, would move into this week with a transformed and renewed mindset, not to be conformed to the things of this world, God, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. God, I just pray for every single person watching this. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless them, that you would bring joy and hope and peace into their heart, and that you would begin, Lord, to turn that 
win that argument, turn that mindset around, Lord, and, and show them who you really are and who they really are in you. Father, for this, we love you. For this, we praise you. We give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. And we will see you next Sunday. Hang out for step one. If you haven't become a member, 1045 today. God bless you. We love you.